You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. What's up, everyone? This is B. Angie B., and you're listening to Your Credit Today. Thank you so much for showing up. If you have not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. And I always say, tell all your friends and family, your coworkers, anybody that you know, yo mama, tell them to subscribe to this show because the information is ultra important. As you know, I always like to start off with a little news. Apple is still reporting that the new coronavirus will keep sales down, which is kind of scary. A huge portion of Apple sales come from China, as well as some components of the technology are actually made in China. So sales are expected to drop until this is under control. So please pray for Apple because I cannot do without my iPhone, baby. Let me tell you, that thing is stuck to me like glue. Speaking of phones, Sprint and T-Mobile, valued at $146 billion, are merging, which could cause a huge job loss for thousands of employees that work for both companies. Executives are in small talks about keeping jobs, so keep those people in prayer. Victoria's Secret sold for $525 million in a private sale amongst the huge downturn in sales over the last two years. It just goes to show you women will always need bras and Tom Brady's wife, supermodel Giselle, will always have a job of many jobs wearing bras. So you've heard it here first from yours truly, A to the N to the G. And I have an amazing guest um, in the studio today. She is an amazing woman, an amazing woman of God, someone who I just love so much. Angel Cade from Executive On The Go. Let's give it up. Snaps up for Angel Cade is in the studio, Kevin. Can you believe it? So um, tell us a little bit about your business and what it is that you do, Angel. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, just an amazing time with you. You are so full of energy and excitement and it is absolutely contagious. And so I just definitely love you for it. So I am Angel Cade with Executive On The Go and um, I run a consulting firm and we focus on helping people start, fix and expand their business from a structural standpoint. So I know structure isn't always sexy, but I would like to say, I hope I bring a little, you know, Oh, structure better be sexy or else you your structure will fall. So there you have it. Get some spanks and, and some shapewear. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and bring it to compliance. So um, exciting enough, what, what we do is we uh, make sure that people have the right structure. So at the beginning of a business, you know, you have to consider, are you going to be a sole proprietor? Are you going to file a DBA? Should you do a corporation, an LLC? Are you a nonprofit? If you are, what type? Are you religious? Are you you charity? Are you, um, you know, public benefit? Are you membership? I mean, there's so many options. And then even in this day and age where um, the generation looks for social justice and social proof, we're seeing the emerging of new types of structures that have never been here before. Things like L3Cs and we're looking at uh, B Corps and things that are just not necessarily in the mainstream, but are, but that are gaining traction because people want to see social responsibility in business. Mm. They're not just, you know, you're not just looking for, Oh, you know, the shareholders bottom line, they want to know that the owners are responsible for connecting to a cause and responsible for 
uh, having progress on the planet. And so it's exciting to see what's being created from a place of uh, desire and need and, and demands that people are putting on uh, businesses across the, uh, really across the world. So it's very, very exciting time, but that is what I do. And, you know, you are also a professional speaker mm-hmm. and um, I've seen you speak at many different venues. What would you say is the biggest topic that you're speaking about right now? What is the thing that people want to know the most about? I would say that people want to know, uh, really, they just want to know how they can avoid um, you know, the pain in business, mm. you know, they're thinking about, you know, how do I protect? How do I uh, insulate? How do I, you know, how do I make sure that I can navigate uh, this realm of business and not leave myself, you know, vulnerable to get hurt or attacked or lose mm. the things that I've worked so hard for? So definitely a big thing in the space are are the pain points as it connects to business and the risk that we take in business. So a lot of my conversations center around that. And you also um, have a show of your own sort of that's called, and I say sort of because it is a show called The Business of You, right? Yes. I actually, you know, I, I in my career, I have a lot of different um, strategic partners and alliances. And and I know even for us, we've done, you know, some strategic alliances before and, and done some things together. And I'm always open to that conversation because I know that the the, the topics that I have are able to translate across different modalities and and really impact different you know realms and in industries and so wherever I see the opportunity to expand in that way I really look at how can I take advantage of it so uh, about a year ago I had actually one of my actually goes back further than that I would have to say about 20 years ago I had a client and she was a um, she was an anger management coach Mm. and very, very dynamic and very dynamic and intuitive. And she was amazing. And so basically she had this work and this practice that she built up and her partner uh, partnered with her in this work. And the client of mine over the years, just um, she had books and series and had a huge audience and we used to work together. And she actually uh, passed away uh, in a car accident and her partner took up the mantle in the work. I mean, to think that you could, you know, abruptly, you know, when your life is cut short, but when you do the work, it lasts. Legacy. When you do the work, that legacy transcends time. When you write it down, that's why when I meet people that have a book in them, I said, you know, it is your duty to bring that out to the world because, you know, beyond you, it has the ability to have perpetual existence, mm. to bring strength and life to those words that could help people that you will never meet, but you were destined to touch. And I was just so grateful that she poured herself out into this work where she had books and workbooks and then her partner was able to take it on and continue the mantle. And so we were talking one day and we just thought, you know what? Let's merge this this kind of coaching, this life coaching and business. And so empowering the business of you is about looking at the holistic person and no, and and not ignoring the fact that you are a mom, you're a uh, you know, you're a business person, you have a job, you've got kids, you're dropping them off, you're doing this, you've got a house to maintain, you've got all these things going on, but you still want to know how does how does this conversation 
apply across your life. Mm-hmm. You know, because so many things that we talk about, they actually apply in every area. Like yeah. the nuggets that you give, they're not just for credit. No. The nuggets you give is for if somebody is listening to you and if they're applying it, they would realize that what you're giving them is you're giving them things that will help them in their life. Yes. And so it's bringing that conversation that we're not just empower I'm not just going to empower your business and she's just not just going to empower your personal life, but we're going to empower all of you. Mm. So that's the conversation that we uh, look to bring to the table. So we actually, we were doing a Facebook live and we actually are just uh, getting ready to launch a YouTube channel. So um, cool. called empowering the business of you. And we're actually going to um, have a, uh, we're going to do a small conference and just really try to bring the conversation to bridge it, to let people know that it's, it's okay that um, it's okay that you have these areas in your life that might be in a deficit, but let's deal with it and then let's see how it translates into these other core areas, mm-hmm. these other verticals. If, you, if you're like you, well, you're dealing with your personal credit, look, you have business credit goals. These things are connected. Yes. Now, our, our goal is to make sure that they are apart. Mm-hmm. But believe me, you're the one who's the common denominator. Yes, yes. So if you're the common denominator, the umbilical cord is we, connected. <laughs> we've got we've got to make sure you're 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 getting the nutrients and you're getting the clarity and you're getting the everything that you need to be able to fuel it. And so just just kind of having that fluid conversation. I love it. I love it. Well, as you can see, friends, not only is she great at what she does, but she is inspiring to so many. Thank you for sharing that. So let's get after it, like we said, you know, Chris Como, <laughs> let's get after it. Yes. So um, what's the difference between LLC, S-Corp, C-Corp, nonprofit? Let's take the time to kind of break those down. Ah, the big question, you know, and it's so, it's funny because people, you know, all the time ask, ask that question. And my husband says, don't you ever get tired of answering that question? And I say, no, you know, the person who's asking it is, has a different energy or it's for a different reason. And, you know, when you love what you do, you can answer the same question for 20 years. Yeah, of course you can. (laughs) I'm sure people ask you questions about credit and you're like, I've said this a thousand times, but here I go a thousand more. And you know, what's so funny is that you can say it different a thousand times sometimes too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So the differences between the structure. So. I'll start at the top. Um, so a C corporation is really the granddaddy of them all. When you think of publicly traded companies, they're C corporations. They're closely held. They're self-contained. They have stock. You know, they don't have a pass-through. What that means is that when it does a tax return, it covers itself. It doesn't produce anything that translates to the owners. A lot of people um, have a misconception about C corporations because, Uh, When you're dealing with a structure, there's always two sides. Well, there's really three sides of it. And so one side that we are very clear about is that there's an accounting side. So there's a a financial impact in the structure. When you do the structure, what does it look like to do its tax return and what is the impact on you? And then there's a legal side. 
you know, there is a legal component about what it can do and what it could hold. And then there is a functional side, a vehicle side, as it correlates to your goals and what you want to do. If, because some people go into a structure and they want to do something and the structure isn't made for that. So those are kind of the considerations that you want to have. But the C Corporation, granddaddy of them all, closely held stock, you know, very strong, self-contained pros and cons though a lot of people will look at a c corp and they'll say oh don't do it it has double taxation mm. you know you'll get double taxed well let me tell you you get double taxed in this uh in this scenario you get double taxed if the corporation is number one if it's profitable it pays taxes on profits and then if you are the owner and you are the stockholder and you then try to withdraw money from the corporation then you are receiving a dividend and your dividend payment is taxed because you're the stockholder and you're getting cash out and that's profit. So that same money is being taxed twice because the company is paying taxes on it as profit and then you're paying taxes on it as a dividend pay payment. And I tell clients who are looking to go into a C-Corp, how you avoid that is don't take out a dividend payment. Put what? yourself on payroll. Do something else. Get creative of how you're going to draw money out. You don't have to make a dividend payment. Mm -hmm. But uh, the C Corporation, because of the privacy, because of the self-containment, for some of you that might have some um, uh, vulnerabilities or some, or some things that are going on where you don't want to show what's going on in the business and you need it to stay separate from what's going on with you personally, the C Corporation is your only option. Mm. It's the only structure that is completely insulated and self-contained and allows you to function or allows itself to function where it can receive money, it can pay expenses, and it doesn't have a direct impact on you personally. So there's some creative um, things that you can do in it. So there you go. That's the C corporation. The conversion, all corporations start off as a C. You have to elect, you have to apply to become an S and so we'll get clients that will come in and they'll say, oh, I need an S corporation, um, but I want to go public or I want to do this or, you know, my uncle wants to invest through his company. Well, that's not an option for you because S in S corporation stands for small business election. So the small business election has certain rules of what can and can't be done. So in a small business corporation, you can only have a certain number of stockholders. In a small business corporation, you can... Um, you cannot be owned by another company. You have to be owned by a natural person. So if, you're, uh, if your uncle wants to invest and he's got businesses and, th and entities that he's willing to invest through, then he can't do it in your S corporation because you can't issue stock to his company. You have to issue stock to the individual person. And some savvy investors don't ever want to do that. So then that becomes an option you have to consider. But the beauty of the S-Corp, again, pros and cons with everything. There's no right or wrong. It is about you, your situation, what's going on with you, what you're doing, and what your ambition is. What's great about the S-Corporation is that it has the pass-through. So that whole issue with double taxation, you don't have it in an S-Corp because what happens is when the company is profitable, it produces a profit and loss statement that shows up on a K-1 and the K-1 shows up with the owner and the owner pays taxes on what they draw out one time. Mm. 
Mm. So that's the beauty. So that's why a lot of accountants lead, especially startups and small businesses, they'll lead to advise you towards an S corporation, but you have to tell people the whole story. Right. I can't, you know what I mean? If you have, if you've got a judgment or lean and other stuff going on and you come in the office and say, you want to start, but you don't tell me the whole story. That's why over the years I've learned to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. So I'll hypothetically give scenarios so that hopefully in their hearing, they'll get a sense of, oh, maybe I should tell you this <laughs> because that will impact the advice that you'll get. So S Corporation is wonderful. It's got the pass through. It's great for small businesses. You pay taxes on what you draw out. Um, you do at some point need to take out a reasonable salary. A lot of people battle with that, but it's a part of business. You know, you get money, you get the business, you get the tax ID number, and now you're looking at it like, how do I get money out of it? Right. <laughs> how do I make money? Right. You know, it made money, but how do I make money? <laughs> like, so there is a growing pain in what it means for you to understand that you and the business are separate and what you take out, uh, you leveraging that through things like payroll and benefits and things that can be assigned to you and making sure that you maintain that uh, separation. So a lot of people, when I, when I start with them and if they actually, you know, take on like consulting with us and, and, and get a, a consulting contract, one of the things that I talk to them about is their personal budget because they don't realize a lot of things that they're paying for personally that they should be attributing to the business and that they could transfer responsibility to the business. So getting clear what those things are so that as much as possible can be deducted from the business. The structure, the formal structure, it is the biggest loophole of the wealthy mm, because yes. it's because it's how you receive money. Mm -hmm. Who pays the most amount of taxes, you know, in in, you know, in our country, the most amount of taxes is paid by high income earning middle class people. Yeah. Why? Because they cannot control what's being deducted in payroll taxes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So over the course of your life, is your biggest expense your house, your car? No, it is taxes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you have an entity and you're able to receive money through that, then the entity is only taxed on its net profit. So that's why when you think about different people that maneuver or wealthy people that maneuver are able to like, how do they get a tax break or why are they paying such a little tax? Because they've got structures and they're maneuvering through them. So they understand how to play the game a little differently. Wow. But the same uh, resources are, are available to us if we're willing to be informed and, and be in the right spaces to apply that information. So now you go into, so you've got the S corporation and then you go into the LLC, which is amazing because limited liability companies, not corporations or not corporations, they don't even have articles of incorporation. They have articles of organizations. LLCs were designed to be a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership. That was, that was its initial purpose. It was to bring together both worlds, the protection of the corporation and the split and the pass-through of a partnership. See, when, you're, when you start off with a general partnership, general partnerships um, are probably the most vulnerable space to be because if we partner together under a general partnership and we are 50-50, I always tell people that it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Why? Because if you go out and you do something in the name of the partnership, then you put both of us on the hook. You can go out and you can get uh, $100,000 worth of credit and then leave the country. And the bank is like, well, you the other partner, 
Right. They're not going to ask me for 50000 Right. <laughs> they're going to ask me for the whole hundred. So general partnerships are 100, 100. And I said, you know, LLCs were beautiful when they were designed because what happened was it then housed this true 50-50 because the limited liability is the limit to your ownership, the limit to your investment. Mm. And that's what makes it beautiful. So it's a great way to house it. But what happens is a lot of people then come into an LLC and they don't have partners. A lot of people come into an LLC and they are by themselves. And they were told that this was the best structure. And even the name feels strong. Limited liability company. That's what I want. When in essence, it's so funny because it's actually the definition of a corporation. It's a Mm -hmm. definition of the formal structure. Mm. It's not any stronger than a corporation. It's just different. Mm. But what happens is what what a lot of people don't realize, and this is something that you really want to chew on for your accountant, for those of you that actually already have LLCs. This is the beauty about an LLC. The LLC can change into whatever you need it to be. Mm. This is the beauty of it. Now, if you really know how to play this game, man, you could do so much. The LLC naturally, based on the ownership, will be one thing. So if we're partners and we start an LLC, it's treated like a partnership. If I'm a single member, then it's disregarded. It's treated like a sole proprietorship. It's just an LLC for legal purposes. I can apply to the IRS and say, I want my LLC to be treated like a corporation and the IRS will approve it. Mm-hmm. I can then convert it from a corporation to an S corporation and the, and the IRS will approve it. What does that mean? The tax classification that I'm able to actually um, have in the LLC is so flexible that if I had the wherewithal and if I had the team and if I had the accountants, if I had the uh, assets, if I had the resources, then basically I could project what's going to happen. And based on the best tax classification, I could apply and be that for that year so that I could benefit from that specific classification as I'm going into that mo- that model of the business wow. or that investment. So, so the game can get real intense when you know how to play it. What? I'm going to lose money and I can make the LLC have a pass-through so I can get the negative K-1? What? I'm going to make money and I can have the LLC be a C-Corp so it stays in itself? What? We could share money. It could be a partnership and we could pass through. Like it can metamorphosize into what you need it to be. That's why it's so powerful. But the average person doesn't understand that. Mm, that was and, really and, good. And really, and really a lot of accountants don't push to leverage because it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can't be afraid of the work. Well, and I think that, you know, just keeping it real and this is, no, you know, nothing against the the world of CPA, but I mean, th- what they understand is taxes, mm-hmm. okay? And what you're talking about is strategy. Yes. You know, so it's, it, they're two different worlds, really, at the end of the day. You yeah. Know, you're, you're helping the business owner understand how to have strategy and giving that information to the CPA so that they can file the right taxes and Absolutely. help them save the most money. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that a lot of accountants want to know that stuff at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, they're like, let Angel handle that. You know, we've got enough to deal with over here. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that you know, just being being informed and being empowered to even, like you said, have these strategic 
you know, thoughts of what's possible. Yeah. Being able to be, go back to the table and say, you know what, did we consider this mm-hmm. or let's try this mm-hmm. or can I, when I want to do this for next year, being able to give the information so that you can stretch and push. This is how things are created. Yeah. This is how, this is how strategies and, and, and when you look at layers of like asset protection, that stuff comes out of holding companies and all these things, they come out of people that are sitting down and strategizing how they want to do what they want to do yeah. and, and leveraging and pushing and stretching to a place of what's possible. So that's really exciting. Really, really exciting with the LLC. It has that flexibility. That's what makes it great. Most people don't change or they don't adjust what they are. So just really kind of considering your own temperament and what you plan to do as far as what's going to be best for you. And a lot of my, some clients will come in and when we talk through it, they really should be an S corp, but they want to start an LLC and it's just so costly to get them there. It's like, oh, let's just be an S-Corp because mm-hmm. that's really what the best thing is for you. So just kind of considering how it's going to take you, you know, what it's going to take to get you to where you should be and if that's the best route. So taking that into consideration. How and- important is it for all of these corporations that you just mentioned, you uh-huh. know, whichever is in operation to file taxes? And are there big exemptions that you know about that are easier with one over the other? So I would say that um, the maintenance of an entity, the responsibility of filing taxes is it, it's so it it's I don't know why it surprises me, but whether or not you do anything with the structure, a lot of people will start something and they won't they won't do anything with it. And they'll say, well, I didn't file taxes because I didn't do anything yet. The mo it's like saying I just had a baby and I didn't feed it. Cause right. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it, you know, like it's not really crawling yet. So right. I'm just going to skip feeding it until it starts. Like, no, that is not the way that it works. That is not okay. <laughs> like those of you that are like, that well, is not okay. It's not. So, and it's not okay in your business. So, so even though you're not, you know, even though you might not have done anything, even, even if you didn't open a bank account, like I don't care the level of what not doing you've done you need to stay current and compliant. And a part of that is doing the tax return. Even if you have to file zero, well, there's no activity. And no, you will get fined. You will get a penalty if you don't file and file at least zero. Some states have minimum tax requirements. Some states, I mean, it just varies across the board. So you want to make sure that you are in compliance and that that makes sense. So you definitely have to file your taxes. The other thing in terms of exemptions and things like that. You know, I'm not a CPA, but what I will say is this, I will say that a lot of people, um, they, they, they don't take as much credibility or they don't pay as much attention to their research, their initial research and development, their startup costs. When you are starting a business, there's a number of costs and ancillary costs that it takes to start the business. Maybe you hired a coach, maybe you hired a consultant, maybe you paid for the fees or you got, you know, you engaged with somebody, maybe you bought equipment, maybe you did some research, maybe you went to a class, maybe you took whatever it is that you did. Maybe you bought some product, maybe you went downtown, maybe you're trying to figure, like you did stuff to even think about starting this business. And when you look at all of those things, did you, did you take that and record it and attribute it to the business? Hmm. Did you take that and did you do a spreadsheet and say, wow, this is great. I've spent this amount of money in the last two years, the business starting off with a liability because it owes me a repayment of loan for all the stuff 
that I've that I've invested. Mm. So you have a choice at the beginning. You could actually say the amount that you've spent is your investment, which means that it's an exchange for your ownership. Or you could you could list those things and say, you know what? All of those items, that money that I spent, I already spent taxes on it. Mm. I use that money from my job to make these choices and do these things. So now I'm going to record it as a loan to the business Mm. so that when the business becomes profitable, it's going to repay me what it owes me. And guess what? Loan money is not taxable because it's not income. You already pay taxes on it. So when you have like, um, is there a difference between a loan to the company and a loan to officers? Because I see that a lot. Yes. So the officer loan just means that that is your um, authority and you were the one that loaned the company the money. So that is actually one in the same. So when you see an officer loan category on a balance sheet, it means that that officer has a loan on the books that it loaned the company or the company loaned it money. And so you'll see that back and forth. So the liability, what happens is in that category, it's not taxable because it's not income. And can you carry that over for years and years and years or is there a limit? No, you can carry it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I I see that a lot. Um, Let me ask you another question. What are some of the big mistakes you see people make that open several corporations and don't manage them proper? Is there like a special sauce that you have, like, you know, (laughs) doing it your way? Oh, tell us, oh, guru. (laughs) Well, I would say depending on the combination, some of the mistakes that I see is that the um, the ownership or, or portions of the companies are the exact same. So when the company mirrors each other, so I'll see people that'll have multiple structures and they're like, yeah, I've got this great asset protection strategy and I've got these three entities in this holding company. And I'm like, um, they're all using the same address. So we're going to have to go back to, <laughs> to kind of unpack this a little bit. You're going to have to so tell wait me. wait a minute. So what you're telling me is that if you have different companies, they have to have different addresses. I mean, definitely, especially if it's part of a strategy or there's a reason. Like, yeah, if you have, you know, different ancillary businesses and one's in suite A and one's in suite B and one's like, that's fine. But if you're designing one to be a holding company or a management company or to do a specific function or let's say you have an asset protection strategy, right? So you've got an amazing studio like this. And really, you've got another corporation. You have a corporation that's the studio that's doing the service. But you have another corporation that no one knows about that actually owns the equipment. Mm. that actually owns all of the assets that are in here, the computers and the machines and the mics. So now what happens is that company shouldn't also be here because that company owns it. Because if I sue the the production company, if I sue the service company that I'm relationship in, in relationship with, I shouldn't also be privy to the information of the other company that's here. That holding company should be completely somewhere else, different address, in position to do what? To repossess the assets so that it's not subject to the suit. Mm, got it. It's it's about making sure that what's what are you what are you showing publicly? So when people have multiple entities, I would say making sure that from a 
uh, strategy standpoint that the uniqueness is enough to have a differentiating factor so that it can execute what you need it to do. So being able to look at that from a different viewpoint, that's probably one of the biggest things that I see is them collapsing the um, the addresses and the phone numbers and, and just kind of intertwining that and thinking, oh, well, I've got all the entities and they've got different tax ID numbers, but their character is the same. The, the public image is the same. As you've heard, all of you wonderful people out there in the space of podcast world, you have heard how amazing <laughs> Angel Cade is, executive on the go. And I know you're saying, I need to meet this lady. <laughs> so how can they do it? Well, um, I they can actually connect with me online. Uh, you can go to my website, which is execonthego.com. E-X-E-C on the go.com. And when you go on the site, I've got some um, free information I'd love for you to have so we can stay connected. And then you'll see a button that says book a consult. And I want you to click on that button and connect with us. And then we would love to meet. And one of our team members would love to just hear what you've got going on and see how we can help. And are you on LinkedIn? I am. Okay. So yes. she's got all her handles out there too, people. Well, listen, you heard it here first from A to the N to the G. B and G B, like I said in the beginning of the show, your credit today. If you have not subscribed to this station, I think you should do it because Angel is going to be back in the studio with me several different times. We have tons of stuff that we need to talk about, but this is Angela and Angel and we're out.